from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia, this is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. I'm your host, Mark Curtis. We're gonna talk about the politics of energy this week for a couple of segments. Let me introduce Chris Hamilton. He is the president of the West Virginia Coal Association. Great to have you back in the program. Good to see you, Mark. The reason we're here is the Public Service Commission of West Virginia must now decide what to do about whether to keep the three coal-fired power plants, John Amos, Mountaineer, and Mitchell, whether they stay open until 2040 in West Virginia. You support that. There was an original termination date or a phase-out date of 2028, but you want the extension to 2040. Why? Well, this is AEP's uh, case, and uh, they have it before the Public Service Commission. They've petitioned the, com the commission to allow uh, a rather moderate uh, rate recovery based on some upgrades that are mandated uh, by the uh, federal government. So we support, we support the uh, petition, we support AEP, we obviously support all those plants remaining open to their, to their normal run cycle. And if I'm not mistaken, we're talking about 2,600 jobs approximately? We are, yes. Okay. Well, since we had you last on the program, the Public Service Commission voted for keeping these plants open to the West Virginia Public Service Commission. But there are financial interests in the state of Kentucky and the state of Virginia that also get to weigh out in this. And the Public Service Commissions of Kentucky and Virginia said no to this plan, meaning do West Virginia taxpayers or ratepayers bear the whole brunt of this? And is that fair? Well, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point, and I think that's at the core of this case. But, you know, this is all about preserving uh, our industrial job base. Uh, there's 26, 2,700 uh, individuals that are working as a result of those three uh, plants uh, operating. These are, these are good, hard-working West Virginia. It's part of our industrial base. And we think it's uh, critically important to keep these jobs intact. Again, there's 26, 2,700 jobs paying on the order of magnitude of 70, $80,000 a year between the plant workers, the mine workers, and, and it keeps those communities uh, vibrant and energized. And, you know, we, we still think it's the, the best deal we have going here in West Virginia, keeping those plants operating. Yeah, but a lot of folks here who support you also think those other states should be paying their fair share, and apparently they're not going to, so there's some frustration there. Mark, that. there's no question about that. Uh, but none of the opponents in this case uh, have any alternatives that, that uh, are as uh, cost-effective as what AEP's petition is. In fact, uh, AEP's analysis showed that alternative energy would cost about 10 times greater than what keeping these uh, upgrades intact are at these plants. Some other things that have changed since the last time we had you on is your old boss and a friend of our program, Bill Rainey, former president of the West Virginia Coal Association, a longtime figure in that position, has been appointed and confirmed on the Public Service Commission. You know what the critics are saying. They think the fix is in. They think this was politically motivated by Governor Justice and others to make this deal happen. What do you say to that? Well, I think those that know Bill Rainey know that uh, he's a person of just tremendous standing and utmost uh, responsibility and integrity. Uh, the decision by AEP to allow the full upgrades on these plants uh, was done before uh, Bill uh, was ever seated on the Public Service Commission. Last time you were here, we talked about this as well, and he has been here himself a couple of weeks ago, Cecil Roberts, president mm -hmm. of the United Mine Workers. 
he is uh, you know he wants to see these stay open too but he also wants to see as we transition to more clean energy jobs solar and wind energy the displaced coal miners get the first shot of training for those new energy jobs in West Virginia your thoughts on that well there's national debates uh, on that topic uh, that are going on as we, as we stand here and as we've said before there's a natural transition time that we will have to look at other energy forms and base fuels to generate electricity. But that's not today, and that's not any time soon within the next dec decade. If you look at plants like John Amos, you know, we ride by these plants all the time, and they're, they're uh, very modern industrial facilities that sustain just an enormous number of our industrial jobs here in, in West Virginia, and they're very clean burning. These are state-of-the-art. They've had upgrades. They've eliminated practically every airborne contaminant since the plants have been built. We ride by, we see water vapor, we see steam. I mean, these represent magic kingdoms for our industrial job base here within West Virginia and for the secure delivery of household electricity. All right, well, we're gonna keep an eye on the situation. I believe it is October 13th that the West Virginia Public yes. Ser uh, Service Commission again meets on this issue about the uh, AEP power plants. We'll keep an eye on the situation. We want to thank Chris Hamilton, president of the West Virginia Coal Association, for joining us. As always, good to see you, Chris. Thank you, Mark. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics, including an opposing view, when we come back. Stay with us. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And welcome back this Sunday on Inside West Virginia Politics, where we continue our discussion about energy policy in the mountain state of West Virginia. I want to introduce our next guest, Karen Ireland. She is with the Sierra Club, the West Virginia Chapter. Good to have you back on the program. Thanks for having me, Mark. We've heard from the West Virginia Coal Association. They, of course, are highly in favor of keeping these three plants, John Amos, Mountaineer, and Mitchell, open until 2040 at a cost of about $440 million, which is going to get passed down to ratepayers. Where does the Sierra Club stand on this? Well, the Sierra Club has intervened in the case. We are opposed to the uh, upgrades, the environmental upgrades that are being requested. And, you know, we, we're not really taking a stand on what the company should do with the power plants, but we don't think the $450 million should be approved. Let's go back to the last time you were here, um, and other guests have pointed this out. Really, three states had a say in this. West Virginia, because the plants are here, but there are financial interests in Kentucky and Virginia that also are part of these companies. Their public service commissions had to approve these rate increases, and both of those states said no. So is it fair that the loan taxpayers, the loan state of West Virginia, shoulders the burden of all of this? No. So Sierra Club has long said this is a bad deal for West Virginians. But it's especially egregious now that the company is saying we want West Virginia ratepayers to bear this cost alone. You know, this is something that um, half of Mitchell is owned by Kentucky Power. 60% um, of the cost from Mountaineer and Amos should be borne by Virginia ratepayers. And so when you think about West Virginia, West Virginians struggling to make ends meet, and now we're at being asked to just shoulder the entire cost. That's unreasonable and unfair. Many of the critics come to this, uh, you know, with uh, financial concerns, but also environmental concerns. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the Sierra Club's primarily an environmental organization. Absolutely. Where do you think we should be in terms of where we go next in energy policy in the state, whether it's wind, solar, a combination of all of the above? Uh, we have a president who is very much in interest of getting rid of fossil fuels, phasing them out in this country. Where does the Sierra Club stand on the environmental piece of this? Well, the Sierra Club is obviously concerned about 
climate, we are in favor of clean, renewable energy. But really, when you look at all of the, the folks that are opposing this formally, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at it from an environmental angle, if you're AARP and you're talking about what the effect is going to be on our seniors, if you're talking about the Manufacturers Association who's come out in opposition of this yep. because they themselves are large employers and have high energy costs. It, it is absolutely a bad deal across the board. And so really it doesn't, you know, it's like there are plenty of reasons to oppose. When we talked to Chris Hamilton, he spoke about 2,600 jobs mm -hmm. directly related to these three power plants. Are you confident there are enough renewable clean energy jobs coming to West Virginia that if those jobs go away that these workers will be able to transition to those jobs? Well, first of all, when you're talking about closing these plants, you're not talking about closing them tomorrow. You're talking about the end of 2028. So that is time for the company to make a plan for these workers, to make a plan for what renewable energy it will need to, to create to replace some of the capacity. Um, we're talking about employers, large employers who are coming into West Virginia who have uh, sustainability standards to meet. So they don't have to be direct clean energy jobs to stimulate the economy and create economic development here in West Virginia. This is the way of the future. It is absolutely uh, absurd to continue to invest in aging and uneconomic coal-fired power plants, some of which are not running at capacity already. So it's, it's when you think about these workers, is it gonna be death by a thousand cuts over the next 10 years? Or are, is the company gonna make a plan is West Virginia going to move forward and reap the benefits that are happening all over the country because of clean energy? We're down to a minute, and I want to address an issue that I know concerns some people. I asked Chris Hamilton about it. In mm -hmm. fairness, let me ask you, since the last Public Service Commission vote on this, there has been a new commissioner appointed to the Public Service Commission. He's none other than Bill Rainey. Everybody mm -hmm. knows him, former president of the West Virginia Coal Association, a longtime coal man in this state, a revered figure. Do you think it's fair that he's on the board? Is it a conflict of interest? Should he recuse himself from the vote? I mean, what your thoughts on Bill Rainey being on the PSC? Well, I like Bill Rainey personally. I mean, you know him. He's, a, he's nice an guy. affable Great guy. guy. Yeah. I, I hope that all of the commissioners are looking at this fairly. They are thinking about the future of West Virginia. You know, that that's going to be up to him. But I really just think that, that they need to look overwhelmingly at the evidence and just the sheer numbers of people that are out in opposition to this. All right, the next meeting of the Public Service Commission concerning this is October 13th. People can still make public comments. If yes. you go to the West Google the West Virginia Public Service Commission website or the West Virginia Sierra Club website and you can find a link where you can make your comments on this case and be heard by the Public Service Commission. We want to thank Karen Ireland from the Sierra Club of West Virginia as always for being on the program. We'll have you back. You always got stuff to talk about. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mark. Karen. You're it. welcome. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend on Inside West Virginia Politics. September has now come to a close, but September was National Recovery Month, a very important month, especially for uh, states like West Virginia that have a severe addiction problem. We're joined by Chelsea Carter. She's the Director of Services at Brighter Futures, which is affiliated with Boone Memorial Hospital. Good to have you on the show again, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. Why is National Recovery Month so important? You guys did kind of a neat thing on uh, Wednesday of this past week. You released 100 balloons to celebrate recovery and those who are really, uh, you know, doing the work and, and, and the patients in particular. Why is this so important? 
Well, for one, it's important because it's it remembers people who have lost their lives to addiction, but also it brings awareness about how big this problem is. Um, you know, from the year tw 2020 to 2021, there was an average of around 93,000 overdose deaths. And to, like to think about that is an astronomical number but you can look at like the way I portray it to my clients is like the WVU stadium holds like 70,000 people or so the WVU stadium couldn't even hold as many people as overdosed the past year. And it just floors me. How much worse has it gotten during the pandemic? A lot of people feel isolated. I can imagine somebody with substance abuse disorder would feel very isolated. Maybe those in recovery tempted to go back out and use drugs again. I've had a number of friends that have done that. Well, since COVID and the whole isolation part of it has came along, you know, as addicts, we tend to isolate ourselves, but when a new, like, Fentanyl has came into the mix of everything, and then addicts are having to go use alone and not having anybody there to say Narcan them or get them help. Those people are dying at a more rapid rate because of the drugs that are being infected with everything from, you know, fentanyl to car fentanyl to like a vast majority of people don't even know what they're getting anymore. They have no idea. It's like playing Russian roulette with their life. I'm curious, we're doing this interview, of course, via Zoom, which has become kind of a, the new normal in our industry. You were doing uh, counseling visits, uh, AA and NA meetings via Zoom. Are you still doing that or are people back to in-person meetings? Um, for the most part, it's in-person meetings because like as a recovering addict myself, we see how important that in-person meeting is because it's easy to talk through like video, but when like someone in the recovery community can see my face and see that I'm not doing okay, you know, that embrace, that hug, that feeling of like, I have you when no one else does, I'll hold your hand when you feel like you're gonna fall. We need that and I need that. So we've been trying to incorporate more of the in-person meetings, the in-person um, like counseling sessions, therapy, as far as helping other people, because for so long we tried to do the telehealth and we it's still an option. It's not that it's not an option. It's just we're trying to do it the other way. And we're going to help, too. We're going to put some graphics up on the screen, some phone numbers, helplines and websites where people can get more information, where they can reach out and get help uh, during uh, COVID with uh, mental health issues, including substance abuse disorder. You touched on your own personal journey. Your story is well known. You became an addict as a teenager. You went to jail. Uh, then you got out. You got clean. You went to drug court. You got a bachelor and master's degree. And now you're a drug counselor and you run Brighter Futures at Boone Memorial Hospital. It's quite a success story. Uh, how are you doing in your recovery journey, Chels? Actually, today is 13 years I've been clean. So today, 13 years ago, I have I had woken up in jail. And then now I am living a life that I could only dream of. You know, when I woke up in jail, I didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold. And today I wake up you know, being able to be a mother to my child and to hold a job and be a productive member of society. 
I get absolute chills as you tell that story. Uh, God bless you. You're one of the treasures of West Virginia. Chelsea Carter uh, in recovery and running Brighter Futures at Boone Memorial Hospital. Our prayers are with you, Chelsea, your beautiful young son and continued success uh, for all you do in West Virginia. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics right after this break. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And welcome back to our final segment this Sunday on Inside West Virginia Politics. Let's talk about all that's happening in Congress right now. I want to introduce Gary Zuckett. He's the executive director of West Virginia Citizen Action. And you guys are very involved behind the scenes in promoting what's known as the Build Back Better campaign or package from President Biden. What, what do you support this for and what's in it? Well, the Build Back Better plan, I think, is a once in a generation opportunity to really invest in West Virginia and the country to uh, create new employment opportunities, to repair the abandoned mine lands and fix plugged wells, to uh, transition to a, a, a clean energy economy, and you know, create jobs doing that. It's been estimated that over the 10-year period that this plan would be in effect, it would create over 300,000 jobs in West Virginia. There are this, I call this the three-legged bar stool because there's three main components. The American Rescue Plan, which has already been passed and signed into law, billions of dollars in aid to the country. Um, the $1.0 trillion physical infrastructure bill, and then this $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, which includes a lot of the things you talked about, the social infrastructure, child care, yeah. in-home health care, even the Green New Deal stuff. Mm -hmm. um, do you see this pass? I mean, this is a lot of moving parts. Of course, our Senator Joe Manchin's a key decision maker on whether this flies or not. Yes, our, our Senator Manchin is uh, directly involved in the negotiations on this. And, you know, I think that uh, the, the top number, whatever it ends up being, we have to understand that this is an investment over 10 years and that the, uh, the way this is written up, the, this investment will be mostly covered by increased taxes on corporations that some of which are now not paying any taxes. Uh, if the, you know, if you look at the, an April Fortune 500 magazine article, there's 55 Fortune 500 companies, profitable companies that paid no zero income taxes in 2020. Which gets to some polling your organization had done and is fascinating. Overall, 48% of West Virginians polled in your uh, uh, support Build Back Better by a slim majority, over 47% who are opposed. But let's drill down into the corporate income tax. 55% of West Virginians favor raising the corporate income tax from 21 to 28%, 39% opposed. So there's some support here for that. There is. Uh, people understand that the, the system's rigged. I mean, that's one of the things that President Trump said that I agree with, that the system's rigged, and it's rigged for the big corporations and for the millionaires and the billionaires. Voters understand that. So when they're given the option of, of, uh, of voting for something that's going to make those tax-dodging corporations pay their fair share, they're all for it. Yeah. These tax loopholes are legal. They're part of the tax code. But 70% yeah. of West Virginians to 24% favor closing some of these tax loopholes. Yeah, these loopholes basically let uh, the millionaires and the billionaires sort of walk away from their obligation, what I feel is an obligation, to pay back into the system that made them all their money. 
Yeah. Now, to those that say this should just be about traditional infrastructure, <laughs> you've given me a soundbite several times in which you say, we, it's great that we build all these roads and highways, but a lot of moms can't go back to work on those roads and highways unless they have adequate child care at home. That's right. Uh, roads and bridges just aren't enough. You know, we need a broad investment in both our physical yeah. and our social infrastructure. And this is an investment that will pay back dividends for, for generations. I brought up that quote because last time Senator Shelley Moore Capito was on, she said she agrees with what you say, but it should be a separate issue. It shouldn't be tied to a physical infrastructure bill. Let's deal with the social infrastructure stuff separately. Well, well they do have it separated now. They've got the, the uh, bipartisan bill and they've got the Build Back Better plan. Yeah. And so I think we need both. And, and that's, you know, the vote right now, they'll be voting on this this week. Right. And we're trying to get some votes. I know the progressives don't want to pull the two packages apart. They want them to move in tandem. Right. And so we'll see what happens. It's, uh, it's really a nail biter down there. All right, we're <laughs> going to keep our eye on it. We want to mention your website for West Virginia Citizen Action. It's wvcag.org. We want to thank the executive director and good friend and supporter of our program, <laughs> Gary Zuck, and a frequent guest for joining us. Good to see you, Gary. Good to be back. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local, and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Nexstar Media Group production hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.